Father, just thank you for these moments together where we can just come before your presence. We can be reminded of your great love, of your great compassion, of your great mercy, of just the wonder and beauty and power of the gospel, Lord. And I pray that you would um, just mediate that to our hearts this morning. Father, help us to see your great and generous heart. And Father, help us to have a heart like that through your help and through your grace. Bless our time together. Make it meaningful, Lord. Let's find just hope from heaven and strength from heaven and wisdom from heaven, Lord. All that we might need today, let's find it in you. We pray this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you today. What a beautiful Sunday morning it is, isn't it? Um, There's still summer left, you know, Uh, which is a great thing. So, hey, as uh, Jovan said, um, September 11th, we're doing that that Better Together Sunday. So we're going to just kind of make it a fun Sunday to invite someone with you to just uh, really talk about that idea, how we need each other in life. We're going to launch life groups that, that week, um, and it's just going to be a good time. So make sure to have that on your calendar. Make sure to invite someone with you. Um, it's going to be a, a good day. And today we're going to continue our sermon series on generosity. So we started it last week, and we've got uh, this week and next week. And we're talking about how God calls us to be generous people. And, and as I was kind of reflecting on it this week, I, I've always self-assessed as a generous person. I've always, why are y'all laughing already? <laughs> it's too early for that. Um, and, and I've always like, I've always thought like, hey, you know, I'm a generous person. You know, I, I believe in giving to, to the church and to, you know, causes and needs around the world. And I've always made that um, a, a part of my life. Every six months, I, I buy someone a coffee. Um, and I'm not talking Dunkin', I'm talking Starbucks. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a generous person, um, at least in, in, in my self-assessment. And, and as I began kind of working on this sermon this week, I actually then began to question that. <laughs> I know you're shocked right now. Yeah. Uh, I was like, am, am, I, am, am I really? And, and kind of one of the, the things that came to my mind was, was years ago, years ago, me and my um, some good buddies, we went to this uh, speech that our friend was giving. It was kind of this motivational talk. And I think it was to high school, college age kids, whatever. And we were going there to support him. And as part of his talk, the, the way that you ended it was you got this piece of wood and you wrote your dreams and your goals on it. So like I wrote my dreams and goals, man. I had some great dreams and goals. It's like, I'm going to achieve this and I'm going to do this and I'm, I'm going to be successful in this. And then there came a point where, like, we shared it with the people that, that we came with. And, and my buddy who I had come with, one of my, my best friends, on his, his goals were stuff like this. I, I remember one of them really clearly. He said, my goal is I want to make someone's day every day. And I was like, that's lame. <laughs> that, that's, I was immature back then, church. I've I've grown so much since that day. But I, and he, like, all his goals were, like, like that. I was like, well, they can make their own day. Like, I want to, you know, kind of um, do some great stuff. Stuff. You guys are judging me so bad. 
Yeah, and I, and so like our goals were like, I realized they, they were going in, in two different directions, you know, and I kind of was having a hard time, honestly, like I was like, those don't even motivate me, you know, those are not even like exciting to me at all, and, and all his goals were kind of oriented like that. And this week I've been re, uh, rereading a book called Give and Take by Adam Grant, and he says that, that all of us, we all have one of three approaches to life and to work. The first approach, he says, is called a taker. And a taker is that we want to get more than what we give, right? We, wanna, we want uh, to get more than, than what we're willing to, to put in. We want kind of the, the better side of the deal. Then there's a matcher, and a matcher kind of wants to just make it even. You know, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine, right? That's kind of the matcher. And then a giver is someone who obviously wants to give more. That, that's their, their orientation, their, their heart towards life. And he did all these studies on different careers, and he found that the people who are the lowest performers in their careers are givers. That interesting? Here's the other side of it. The people who are the highest performers are givers. They're at both ends of the spectrum. And what he found was, is that sometimes in the short run, having that approach to life, you know, can, you know, maybe people take advantage of you, or, or maybe you don't get the credit, so you don't get the promotion, or, or whatever. In the short run, it doesn't, it's not always advantageous, but in the long run, it makes you the best at what you do because people trust you, because people want to work with you, because all of that, that heart, that, that approach to life, all of that, it accumulates over time and you become someone that others want to work with. And you grow in all kinds of ways because you have an open heart and an open mind and all these kinds of things. So it was, it was, it's a fascinating study. And in the book, he talks about these two different lists. And I just want to throw these up there. And he says that ultimately, if we're pursuing these things, wealth, power, pleasure, winning. And when I look back to as a younger kid, that list that I had on my board, it would be more in this category. This is what I want to achieve. And he said that's more of a taker's list. The second list is helpfulness, responsibility, social justice, compassion. That was my friend's goals. He was more of a giver. And so what I realized this week is I've got a lot of room to grow. <laughs> I need God's help. How about you? I, I, I need to understand this more and, and learn to become, because here's what I believe. When you think about God, I want you to answer this for yourself. Is God a taker, a matcher, or a giver? Who is God to you? Some of us, we honestly might look at God and, and we might define him as a taker. He, he takes more than he gives. Maybe some of us look at life and we're like, he, he's already taken more from me than I feel like he's given me. Others, maybe our mindset is God is a matcher. So I've got, I've got to balance my life very carefully so that I give to God so that he can give back to me. Or is God a giver? Does God give more and more and more than we ever give to him? See, today I believe that being a generous person, it's not, also, it's not only you know, good because Adam Grant says it's good. It's good because it reflects the reality of God. 
God is the ultimate giver. I believe when we understand God and we connect to God, you will always see God giving to you way more than we ever give to him. Uh, I I cannot even adequately put it into words how much this, this is lopsided. God is the great giver. And the Apostle Paul is going to help us to see that today and to understand it. So we started last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I'm just going to pick up at the verse that we left off. uh, Well, actually a couple verses down. I'm going to just read to you one verse today. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. Here's what Paul says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Now, to remind you of the context, I mean, I'm sure everybody remembers my sermon from last week, but on the odd chance that you don't, the the context of this is that, that there was this church in Macedonia, and they had just been really astonishingly generous to a church that was in need in Jerusalem. And Paul was writing to this church in Corinth, and he was lifting them up and saying, hey, look at what this Macedonian church did. Isn't it awesome? You should be like them. And he was appealing to them to to be generous and to help with um, these people that were in need. And so that's what he was talking about. And then we get to this verse, and, and what Paul is doing is he's raising it to the next level. He says, hey, I'm asking you to do this not just to follow the example of the Macedonian church, but to follow the example of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he says, he was rich, but for our sake, he became poor, so that through his poverty, we might become rich. And Paul is appealing to the best example that exists. When I was on, on guard duty a few weeks ago, there's this guy that I don't see that much, but I really like enjoy talking with him. And I'll be honest, sometimes... If I don't read my Bible enough in the morning or something, I could be a little bit of an instigator. Just, yeah, yeah, I'm shocking you guys today quite a bit. Um, but, you know, sometimes I'll just kind of like just stir things up to entertain myself. But whatever, it's only on rare occasions. And so this, I know he loves basketball and he hates LeBron James. And so, and I know this about him. So the first thing that I, I said to him, I was like, hey, man, I, was, I, I, watched, um, I watched Save the Last Dance. And then he's like, he's like, you mean the last dance? <laughs> Save the last dance of Julius Siles. So it didn't start out well. But, uh, but I said, I was like, yeah, man, I don't know. I, you know, I still think LeBron is, is greater than, than Michael Jordan. I knew that would just stir him up, and it did. And then the next hour, you know, we were, it, it was fun. And, you know, it's really hard to make those arguments, isn't it? Like, who is the greatest in, in this area, in this sport? What, it really is hard. Because he, he was saying, he's like, you know, if Michael Jordan was in the league and they call fouls so much easier, you know, he would have scored X amount of points per game. And, and all. We have all these, like, crazy arguments that you can't really know. But I love LeBron. He brought a championship to Cleveland. Come on. Michael Jordan. He kept us from going there. Remember that? Um, so anyway, uh, but it's hard to tell who, who the greatest is. But, but here's what I think there is no debate around. Jesus Christ lived the greatest life that was ever lived. I don't think you can argue anyway. I don't think there's any good points we can bring out. In, in every way, Jesus Christ 
is the example in every way. And so here, here Paul is saying, this is his approach to life. He's appealing to the goat, to the greatest, to the highest example that that we could have in our minds. He's saying, hey, this was his approach to life. So maybe we should learn something from it. And he begins these verses, and he says that, um, that you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what's interesting about this is that these, uh, this verb tense is, is this idea of continuing action. So it's kind of like you know, that sounds like, like past tense, like you know of it, but it's more of a continuing kind of tense where you are knowing, you need to continue to know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because here's why this is important. The thing that really transforms the human soul is knowing and experiencing the heart of Jesus Christ. Seeing him, understanding him, connecting to him, that's the thing that shapes us. So Paul, he begins at that point. He says, you know the grace of Jesus Christ. See, we don't don't change by having a new set of rules in our life. We change by first understanding the heart of God for us. The nature of God, the work of God for us. That's where it begins. If you start with trying to be different without connecting to the grace of God first, you won't really get very far. You with me on this? There's a great great quote that I want to read to you by Thomas Goodwin. He was an old Puritan, but he says this, That which keeps men off is that they know not Christ's mind and heart. You hear that? So this is what keeps people from God. They don't know Christ's mind and heart. The truth is, he is more glad of us than we can be of him. Do you believe that today? He is more glad of you than you can be of him. Not because you're lovable, but because, sorry, but because his love is that great. And it is a merciful, it is a gracious love. The father of the prodigal, there's a story in Luke 15, an amazing parable that Jesus says. It's about this young, young son that is, is a jerk, and he takes his dad's inheritance, and he spends it in a horrible way, and he hits rock bottom, and he comes home, and you think he's going to get chewed out, but his father runs and embraces him and throws a party. That's what he's talking about. The father of the prodigal was the forwarder of the two to that joyful meeting. He ran out to meet the lost son. Have you a mind? Okay, calm down, Thomas Goodwin. He that came down from heaven, as himself says in the text, to die for you, will meet you more than halfway, as the prodigal's father is said to do. Oh, therefore, come in unto him. If you knew his heart, you would. Here's what he's saying. The, The greatest spiritual danger that we face is not knowing and understanding the real heart of God for us. That's our biggest problem. That's what keeps us from God. Can we really trust him? Does he really love us? Is he good? Is he faithful? Those are the questions that actually really mess us up. Everything else is just just an overflow from that. And so Paul says, you you know the grace of God, you're knowing it, and you need to keep knowing it. Today, if you know the grace of God, you're not done knowing it. You need to know it in deeper and deeper ways. I need to know it in deeper and deeper ways. 
If you don't know it, if you're like, no, God's a taker, God's a matcher, then, then you need to just know it at the baseline, at the beginning. He is a God with this incredible heart of mercy and grace. And then Paul says, he says that you know the grace of God, that though he was rich, he became poor for our sake. Now, this is so cool. One, you might be interested to know, you might be surprised to know that in the, all of the New Testament, all of the scripture, the only thing that the Bible says God is rich in is mercy. Is mercy. Now, it says that there's riches of his kindness, there's riches of his glory, there's riches of his wisdom, there's riches of some other thing. But the, thing, the only thing where it says he is rich in is mercy, is treating us better than we deserve. And I don't know, I'm really encouraged by that. <laughs> I find a lot of strength and, and hope in that. He is rich in mercy. But here's what Paul was getting at here, that Christ was fully God, that he, he existed as fully God before the incarnation. Now, one of the unique things about Christianity is Christianity understands God as a trinity, as one God and three persons. And you're like, man, that doesn't really make sense. Hey, just join the club. No one fully gets it. We just try to understand it, explain it the best that we can, wrestle with it. It's all right. We're not going to you know, get to the bottom of it today. But, but here, here's, here's the idea here, that Jesus Christ is fully God, that, that he existed in divine glory, divine privilege. Every, every, all the greatness and the transcendence and the, and the power of God, you have to apply to Jesus Christ. And what Paul said is he had all that. He was rich, right? He was on the throne. Life was good. But then he became one of us. This is part of the great mystery and power of Christianity. That God came down from on high and he became one of us. Though he was rich, he became poor. He took on flesh. He experienced the brokenness, the limitation of humanity. Voluntarily. Didn't have to do it. Now, have you ever noticed that, that we are mesmerized? by this kind of humility and this kind of action. We love stories like this. One of the, the most powerful to me is, maybe some of you know the story of Pat Tillman, but Pat Tillman was a, uh, a safety in the NFL, played for Arizona, and he was, he was coming to you know, the, the top of his game. He was about to sign a contract where he was going to have enough money for the rest of his life and take care of his family, all this stuff. I mean, he was... He was right at the pinnacle of his career, and this was right around 9-11, just this amazing athlete, amazing football player, and when 9-11 happened, he, he reoriented his life and thought about it, and he left the NFL before that contract, and he joined the Army, and he became an Army Ranger, uh, which if you've ever seen a picture of this dude, you're like, that is what an Army Ranger should look like. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that's weird, but that's, like, it, he's, this dude is like, wow. Uh, anyway, um, and, uh, and, and sadly, church, here's the real tragedy of the story is, is that he was killed by friendly fire um, in, in one of his deployments. But 
But there is something so powerful about that story, isn't it, right? And, and what is it? it? It's that he went from the NFL to the Army. I don't know what the NFL is like, but I know what the Army is like. That's a step down. I, I, I don't have to imagine much. That is a big step down. You with me on this? That's a big step down. And, and yet, don't we hear a story like that and you're inspired, aren't you? You're like, you're like there, there is something noble and beautiful when, when you set aside that power and that privilege and that maybe, let's say, easier life, and you set it aside to serve others. And that's what I believe he did. Now, as big of a step down as it is from the NFL to the Army, all right, heaven to earth is infinitely more than that. You with me on that? Heaven to earth is infinitely more than that. And, and so here's what Paul's saying. He said, look, Christ, he set all of that aside. He didn't have to. It's like Pat Tillman. He didn't have to. He chose to. And Paul says, why did he choose to? For your sake. For my sake. Church, is that not a compelling picture of generosity to you? That is your God. That is your Lord. He sets this aside for our sake, for you and me. And Christ endured a, a poverty that, that we can't fully imagine. Now, on, on paper, he was poor. His family was poor. When he was a young boy and they went to the temple, his family offered uh, the, the sacrifice that a poor family was to offer. So we know they were financially poor. Jesus came from an underwhelming place. He wasn't from a place of power and influence, you know, kind of an off-the-map sort of town that no one thought about. He was a carpenter. Uh, he wasn't royalty in the sense of, of part of the Roman Empire or the, the Jewish aristocracy or anything like that. He was homeless in his ministry. One time a man came up to Jesus and said, hey, I want to follow you. And he says, hey, foxes have holes and birds of the air have, have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said, I, I, I don't have a home. Uh, he relied on the support of others. But even more than that, he became man. He experienced the brokenness of humanity, the limitation of our physical bodies, all of this. He was victim to human injustice, jealousy, abuse of power, evil. Church, all I'm just trying to show you is that the step down is incomprehensible. Jesus set that aside for you. That's what Paul is saying. He set that aside for you, for me, for us. This is the heart of God. And he says, why did he do that? So that through his poverty, you would become rich. This is a beautiful reversal here, isn't it? He, he sets aside this. He, he puts this aside so that through his poverty, we would become rich. Here's what that means. Today, when you commit your life to Jesus... When you receive the grace, the love, the forgiveness, the leadership of Jesus Christ, you step into riches that will take all of eternity to fully understand. You have the, the positional wealth as a son or daughter of the Most High God. See, as followers of Jesus, God looks at us, he says, hey, you're my son, you're my daughter. You don't always act like it, but you still are. Nothing's going to change it. You're with me now, through it all. And we have 
an inheritance as sons and daughters of God. We have a positional wealth. We have a relational wealth. Because, you know, money and power and all those things, they don't buy happiness or well-being, all that. We know that. But we also have the wealth of God's acceptance, of God's love. We have the, the, the wealth of knowing that, that we are um, we matter to God. He has a purpose for our lives. We have his wisdom and his leadership. We have all of heaven's resources to help us through Jesus Christ. We pray, we can call on the name of God and all the powers of heaven. And we have the spiritual wealth of peace with God. And we stand in his grace now and forever. Christ won that for you. All of that. He won that for me. Jesus Christ, through his generosity, has made us rich in ways that will take all of eternity to understand through his approach to life. So today, how do we, how do we respond to this? Well, I want you to respond in two ways. I want you to see that Jesus Christ is not only our example, but he is also the source of help in this. He's our example, but he's the source of help. So here's number one. What should we do? We've got to pursue Jesus Christ above all. Connect to him. Understand him. Experience him. I heard some, uh, some guys talking, and they were talking about guy issues, you know, and, and uh, they said that um, a lot of guys, you know, their goal in life is like to be the best dad or the best husband, you know, the, the best at what they do. And they say, you know, that, that's okay, but, but if you try to like, just if that's your goal, you're probably going to find that it's a moving target. And you're, as you try to get closer, you probably realize you're getting further away. And they said, instead, here's a better goal. And I, and I thought this was so helpful. They said, don't try to be the best dad, the best father. At, here's what you need to put the energy of your soul after. Become fully alive in Jesus Christ. Find out how your heart becomes fully alive in Jesus Christ. Because I can't just imitate Jesus. I need his help. I need his power. I, I, need, I need to do it with him and through him. And so when, when I'm focused on my heart connecting to Christ... And like the things in my life that make me disconnect from him, I'm moving away from those things. And the things that make me connect to him, I'm moving towards those things. And my heart is becoming more and more alive in him. Guess what? I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better friend. I'm going to be better things. But, but the pursuit is Christ. You with me on this? The pursuit is Christ. The pursuit is just saying, yeah, help me. I need you. I want to follow you. I want to understand you more. And when we pursue that, church, we really begin to change. And then here's the second thing. I want you to ask yourself today, is what you're after in life in the pattern of Jesus Christ? What's, what's your approach to life? Taker, matcher, or giver? Is your approach to life after the pattern of Jesus Christ? Are we pursuing those things that Christ says, hey, this is the good life. This is what matters. We're emptying ourselves out for others. We're serving. We're loving people. 
or are we chasing after other things? I was, I was talking to Allie about this sermon, and I was like, Allie, I was like, man, I, you know, just kind of telling you what I told you at the beginning, like, I thought I was generous, but I think I actually stink at it. Um, and she didn't fight me on that. Can you, can you believe that? And, and I was talking to her, and, uh, and I was like, yeah, I just, you know, I, I think I kind of was a little too generous on my self-assessment. So there's generosity there. Does that count? Um, and, uh, and she, you know, she kind of basically said, like, she's like, yeah, you know, in a very kind way, you know. <laughs> I agree with you, you know, <laughs> very gently. And, and she was like, yeah, like, I feel like, you know, maybe I'm a little bit more prone to, to being a servant. But she's like, but I always have to look in my own heart and say, like, why am I serving? Am I doing it for the right reason? And then she said, and, and, and then I thought she was going to say, and like, yeah, I think you're like that too. But she didn't go there. She said, I'm prone to serve. You're not prone to serve. Well, that was kind of what I got from it, you know. It's like if the conversation's going bad, you sort of let it trail off. And get, so that's kind of where I left it. But I was, like, I was like, honestly, she's right, you know. Got a lot of room to grow on this. And maybe some of you are like me today. You know, you think you're generous, but you're not. <laughs> Here's the good news. Sorry. Here's the good news. Christ will help people like us. <laughs> That's the great news today. He will help us. He will meet us. There is hope. That's what I want to tell you. Ladies, there's hope for your husbands this morning, all right? Just point them to Christ. Lead them to Christ. Uh, because he is, he's the one that's going to help us. And here's what I believe at the end of the day. Man, his way is right. Don't we know that? His way is right. It's going to be hard for us to get there, some of us. Some of you, you're much better at this. But some of us, it's going to be a journey. And we need to keep going to Christ. Keep looking at his way. Keep reminding ourselves of the wisdom of it. And most importantly, keep receiving from him the grace and the mercy to become something different. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, that your heart is a generous heart. Father, the, the mystery of the incarnation is unbelievable. Father, you who were um, holy God became man so that through your sacrifice, we could become your sons and daughters. Father, it is a humility that is heavenly. It's not earthly. And Lord, we worship you for it. Father, without you coming to us, there's no way we would ever get to you. And yet, Lord, we don't look lightly at the cost of it, at the humiliation, at the cruelty at the torturous nature of the cross, Lord, we, we don't look at that lightly. We thank you for your sacrifice today. And Father, now we just ask that your grace could be mediated to us through it. Father, we are broken people. We can't fix ourselves. We can't willpower ourselves to be better men and better women. God, we need something more than willpower. We need your grace. We need your spirit to be at work in us. And so, Father, we just invite you in. We long for your work to shape us. And we pray, Lord, that it would glorify the name of Jesus, that we would follow him in every way that you intend us to follow, and that, Lord, through us, blessings could come to others. 
just like through you, blessings came to us. Help us in all this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, please.